You're listening to the Gateway Christian Church Beckley Campus Podcast. To find out more about the church, visit our website at gatewaychurch.net. Let's get into this week's message. So we started this new series called Timothy, and his name is, is called Timothy, and Paul calls him a true son in the faith. And we asked an important question last week. We said, how can I become more useful to the Lord and to his kingdom? I think that's one of the things that as we're coming out of this COVID season, people are like, you know, can we just be honest? It was great when it first happened that we slowed down and spent time with family, right? And, and we really started valuing things that matter the most. But how many of you were itching to get out and say, I love these people, but there's more people out there. <laughs> and can we be honest? It doesn't mean you don't love your family. Guys, don't be careful how you answer this. I'm the one walking into it right now, okay? You don't shake your heads with me, but it's good to be out amongst, back into our routines and our life where we can share with other people outside of our close family. I mean, I even teach this in premarital counseling is that you need to have a, 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 a circle around your family to protect your family. But that circle needs to be a broken circle because you're going to go in inside and outside that family. If it was just me and Tanya and the kids all the time, I mean, that's great. But God intended for us to have fellowship with other people and, and to have relationship with others. And, and, and what we're going to see here as we go through Acts 16 and Acts 17 and look at, in the book of Thessalonians this morning, we're going to see that Timothy left his immediate family, his mother and his grandmother, to go on this missionary journey with Paul, and Silas. And we're going to see God accomplish great things because he steps outside of his comfort zone. So if you want to be more useful in the kingdom of God, and that's your heart and your question, then I've got to encourage you that you've got to think about getting outside of your comfort zone. Today, we're going to move into the book of Acts chapter 17. Timothy is only about 20 years old at this point, maybe 21. He's a very young man. He's been traveling with uh, Paul and Silas and Dr. Luke for only a few months of what we call the second missionary journey. As you can read about the first missionary journey we talked about in Acts 13 and 14 last week, this was the one that was about Paul and Barnabas. And at the end of Acts 15, we read, they had a strong disagreement and they decided not to take Mark, John Mark with them. So Barnabas took John Mark uh, and, and, and left and go on his part of the missionary journey. And now Paul, Silas, and this young apprentice, Timothy, begins what we call the second missionary journey. And in Acts chapter 16, after Timothy's circumcision, they moved through the several areas or cities, uh, Phygeria, Galatia, Troas, Neapolis, Philippi. And, and it's in Philippi where we meet this young woman named Lydia, who was a Christ follower, and they were there also thrown into jail and ended up converting the Philippian jailer. This all takes place during this time. And they kept traveling to Apollonia and then finally to Thessalonica. And there's a lot of narrative in Acts 16 and 17, and this leads us into the scriptures this morning. The interesting thing about this is that all through Acts 16, Timothy's there with them, but his name's never mentioned. But when we get to Acts chapter 17, his, his name's only going to be mentioned twice. And here in Acts chapter 17, verse 2, the word of God says, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three, on three Sabbath days, he reasons with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And some of the Jews were persuaded to join Paul and Silas, 
as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. As a Pharisee, Paul knew the scriptures. He knew what he was talking about. He knew, uh, it's, it's amazing, when he has this experience with the Lord in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus, and he meets Jesus, and he has this uh, conversion experience, and he becomes the guy who will write over 60% of our New Testament when we open up the Bible, uh, Paul does. He had a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament. And so he knew what he was talking about. So wherever town he went to, he went to the synagogue and he started there to explain from the Old Testament scriptures how Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. But not only did Paul have that experience, this is how God prepared the Apostle Paul. He was also a Roman citizen. And so he had good standing wherever he went and was able to talk to the Gentiles as well to the Jews. He was a strong advocate for Jesus. God was preparing him his whole life for this missionary journeys that he would take. Now I want you to look at verse 5, as he was preaching in the synagogues. And it says, but other Jews were jealous. Some received his message, other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials shouting, these men have caused trouble all over the world and now have come here. And Jason welcomed into their house there to find Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil, and that made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. It sounds like this crowd that was being stirred up, and I, I think it's interesting, they got, the Bible mentions them as bad characters, you know, they went and got some, you know, I don't know what we would, where we would call bad characters, they went and found some rough dudes, all right, you know, maybe down in, where's Marty, down in Wyoming County or something, no, just kidding, um, at Wayne, if you're, if you're living in Huntington, if anybody's from Huntington, you go out Wayne to get the rough crowd, and you know, I'm sorry, anybody's from there, but, but, uh, you know, I don't know where you get these rough characters, but they got them. You know, they were basically Dwayne's friends, all right? And so if we've got Dwayne's buddies, then Dwayne's going to punch me, all right? After, don't, don't take it out on me like you tried to hurt Sam, all right, during basketball. Thanks for not killing him. Let him get the states. I appreciate that. Dwayne says he toughened him up. I think he did, Dwayne. I think he did. I appreciate that. But anyways, um, you know, I, I don't know where they got them, but they, they stirred these people up, and they started accusing Jason, who was just housing these guys. And they brought these other believers before a magistrate, basically. And they accused these guys of the same ways that the Jews tried to accuse Jesus when they brought him in Jerusalem. Remember, they said, hey, he's saying that he's the king of the Jews, the Messiah. And they were trying to make this same kind of argument. But I love how the King James Version reads about verse 6. You know what the accusation was? Here's how what they said in verse 6 in the King James Version. They have turned the whole world upside down and come hither also. That was the accusation that these disciples had turned the whole world upside down, or I would say they turned the world right side up because the world was in such turmoil during these days that these men offered something that the world wasn't offering. And Christians, if you have ears to hear, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, is that we have something to offer a lost and confused, fearful, COVID-stricken world, and his name's Jesus. 
All right? And, and, and what I'm trying to say is, is that for such a time like this, that God had appointed that you would be here this Sunday to hear this message from God. That's how I view things and how they happen. And notice what he goes on down here. And it says, they were accusing Jesus, and Jason had to post bond, and you know all this turmoil was going on. And what used to be on top was now on the bottom. And what was on the bottom is now on the top. These values of the kingdom say, many who will be the first will be the last, and many who are the last will be the first. It's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 19.30. You know, and I think, Christians, that's what we're talking about. It's not just going and serving at Miss Tony's, but there's other places to serve. If you really want to see an impact for our world for the name of Jesus Christ, we need to consider the less of everyone more and consider others better than ourselves. You know, what COVID kind of showed you was what people really valued, toilet paper. I mean, how many packs of toilet paper do you have? And how many, bat- never mind, how many trips to the bathroom was that? But I mean, seriously, that's what people held on to because they were like, well, if it all goes bad, I ain't using leaves. <laughs> you know, that's what everybody said. And basically what you said was, I don't care if you have to use leaves, I ain't using them. That was the value of toilet paper. And so what we saw in the times of crisis was everybody got outwardly focused. Now we got inwardly focused. And I believe at such a time like this is for the time for the church, just like it did in the early book of Acts, for us to start focusing on things that doesn't make sense to everyone else. You know, to your non-Christian believers, they're like, why do you put money in an offering plate? You earn that. It's your money. But for a Christian, we're like, no, everything I have is God's, and I give back to him 10% of what he's blessed me with. Because I know what it's like to live in times of plenty, and I know what it's like to live in times when we don't have anything. And see, when you gain that world perspective, then you're, it's easier to look at other people's interests above your own. No matter if you're going through a health crisis of yourself, well, guess what? Someone else is going through a health crisis. If you went through the loss of losing a loved one, then you can start gaining empathy and sympathy for someone who is going through the exact same thing that you went through. And I think that's what our world so desperately needs, not six months of toilet paper. You see, down in verse 10, we go on, it says, it says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. They had to get them out of Thessalonica, right? Because these bad people were stirring stuff up and it looked like it could went bad. So they sent Paul and Silas to Berea. But guess who stayed? Who's with Paul and Silas? Timothy. And as soon as Paul got there, Berea, do you think he said, man, I have to really stir some stuff up in Thessalonica. I might want to lay low. You know what he went and did? Immediately he went to the synagogue and started preaching Jesus again. Verse 11, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures to see this. They examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. How many of y'all remember the old time Sunday school classes? They had names and everybody, anybody have a Sunday school class named the Bereans? We did in my church. Notice what it says of the Bereans. They studied the scriptures to see if what Paul was preaching was true. I think that's awesome. And what a great compliment on this group of people. And then as a result, many of them believed and also did many prominent Greek women and many Greek men. You know, this is one of the things that, you know, some many people try to 
in this culture that we live in say, well, the Bible's so chauvinistic and it's all about men. But do you see how many times it talked about Greek women in this? Do you see how radically different even the name and the church of Jesus was even from what the Jewish culture was? It, it elevates all people. It elevates all people regardless if you're a man or a woman, if you're black or if you're white, if you're a Jew or if you're a Gentile. All people are elevated in the kingdom of God. This is what the church that you belong to, this is the church that was and is and will always be until Jesus comes back. It's, it's about a church that elevates people. It doesn't put labels and tries to keep people in their place. It's a church of inclusion. <laughs> it's a church of uh, love, acceptance. Um, and, and, you know, all the things that we're told the church is, it's judgy and it's all these things and it's, you know, it's a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, we're all hypocritical on all rights, but I'm telling you, if you're following Jesus and you want to be a part of a church that tries to do it the way the early New Testament does and what we see, this is the kind of church that you're a part of here at Gateway. And now notice this. Paul's preaching was powerful and it was effective. And in case you consider the evidence, he said, you'll come to knowledge of the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Many people came to Christ, but not everyone. Evidently, he left some angry people in Thessalonica. And in verse 13 says, but the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea and sent some there too, where we finally get to the mention of Timothy again. Verse 14. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. And those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens when he left the instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him here and as soon as possible. Now I want to move our attention over to 1 Thessalonians, verse 1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they were all together, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace be to you. See, many of these towns... Paul preached is a literally, they ran him out of town. So because he had to leave in such a hurry, he wrote letters back to these churches to kind of finish his preaching, the things that were on his heart, to encourage and strengthen them, and maybe even to correct any kind of false teaching that they had. But here in verse 5 in 1 Thessalonians, it says this, Our gospel came to you not simply with our words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and a deep conviction. Their experience in Thessalonica was so intense that he preached hard despite the opposition. Verse 6, verse 6 says it this way, you became imitators of us and the Lord, and you welcomed the message in midst of severe suffering when the joy given to you by the Holy Spirit. Their church was growing in the times of persecution, and I believe the church of God today still grows in the times of persecution. The church that we're a part of has an opportunity to grow. I mean, um, Oh, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> when Derek <laughs> walked in this morning, sorry, Derek, it was going to come. I'm an old man now, all right? And Derek P. walked in this morning. He goes, man, look at all these people. Isn't that what you said to me this morning? Our church is growing in the times of persecution. We give God all the praise for that. It's nothing that we've done. We're just being faithful and preaching the word of God and trying to follow the way of Jesus. And if we lift up the name of Jesus, what's the word say? He will draw all people into himself. And so we do that in worship. We do that around the Lord's table. We do that with preaching and teaching, serving and fellowship. I mean, the ladies are going to a salt cave on Friday. I don't know what that is, but somebody's making money off of salt and women. I mean, I don't know how that works. 
And I don't know what's all involved in that, but I don't know how we didn't come up with that idea and put some kosher salt out there and maybe a pedicure and make some dollars off of it. I mean, somebody has come up with something that beat me to it. Now, I get jealous of that. I get jealous of stuff like that, you know? The guy who came up with a spool, you know? That guy's in the Bahamas living a life. How did I not come up with the spool first? The guy who came up, don't worry, be happy, T-shirt. That guy's living in the Bahamas. How come I didn't come up with stuff like this? I'll just keep preaching. How's that? Here, notice, back into the chapter. (laughs) Paul writes in chapter 2. Listen to what he says in chapter 2. We have previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. And as you know, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you the gospel in face of strong opposition. This is the kind of preachers they had. They they preached the word of God in face of strong opposition. Notice uh, a little bit further down in chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Now we're looking at the end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3, and notice what he says down in verse 17. He says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated for a short time, in person, not in thought, he says, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but notice who blocked the way, Satan. And here's, I want to talk to the church for just a second. We haven't even got into the good part of the message yet. Notice that our our battles are not with people. Our battles are spiritual. And that whenever we have trials and tribulations, there is someone behind our trials and tribulations. His name is Satan. And whenever we try to step forward for God, it shouldn't surprise us when Satan comes and tries to make us take a step back whether it's collectively as a church, whether it's individually as a person in your marriage or in your home or in your job or in your finances or things like this, there are going to be trials. And when there are trials in your life, you need to know that Satan's behind it because he doesn't want you to answer the question of the sermon. What can I do to advance the kingdom of God? And when you really start thinking of that, Satan's going to start filling your head and say, well, I guess I really can't do that. Or you'll start thinking to yourself, well, I guess this door shut on my life, or I'm not good enough, or I, I guess this is not what God had in store for me. Friends, understand this. Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. Can I get an amen on that? Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world, because we have one who lives and dwells inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and by his name, we can conquer all things, so that when we see Satan coming, we don't retreat, we march forward. All right? And, and, and this is the kind of preachers and teachers that were empowered with the Holy Spirit that went out and went forth in the name of Jesus. Times like this, church, doesn't cause the church in COVID crisis to say, what do we do? And we fall back. No, this is times that we step up and say, hey, this is Jesus. So don't, don't fall back. Move forward. Now, this is what was going on. And we get down at some point in the journey when Satan was trying to block their way, Paul employed some kind of spiritual strategy to get the job done. And notice what the strategy was. Look down in chapter three of Thessalonians verses one and two. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it'd be best to be left by ourselves in Athens. Verse two, we sent Timothy, who was our brother, our coworker, in God's service, and spreading out the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. 
Timothy's name's not mentioned at all in Acts 16, and it's at the very end of Acts 17 that we get like two sentences of him. But when we get to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul in the first two is saying, here's how much opposition and here's how much oppression we've been under. And he says, you know who we're going to send? We're going to send in the new guy (laughs) who's been with us like six months. That's how much confidence that Paul had in a 20 or 21-year-old. Now, I'm going to do something that every parent does. I'm going to brag on your kids for a second and brag on my kids. I'd be willing to put up my 16-year-old as a worker to any 16-year-old I know. He ain't afraid to work. He ain't perfect. He's got a little mouth on him. Gets it honest. Tanya's over there, right? (laughs) It's on me. (laughs) It's not Tanya's fault. He's got a little mouth on him, all right? That's on me. But he's got a strong work ethic. And you know what? If you get somebody that you see that works hard and works strong, you want them on your team, you better believe it. As a basketball coach, do you want somebody to go in there and do the dirty work? They'll take charges. They'll get rebounds. They doesn't mind doing the dirty things to get a game won. You better believe it. You want somebody who will work hard. You want somebody on your team like that. You don't want lazy people. And I'm here to say that I think our society is raising lazy people. I mean, you can't find anybody who wants to work anymore. Why would they? Every so often, they just get a check. Now, that sounds like I'm preaching politics. This has nothing to do in politics. It's the reality of the place that we live in. There are restaurants that are having to shut down in Beckley early because they can't get workers. I'm saying that we need to start valuing people who are willing to do the work. And evidently, Timothy was the kind of quality and character and hard worker that Paul felt comfortable enough to send this 20 to 21-year-old young man who'd only been with him about six months to go to the church to encourage him. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. God doesn't, isn't a respecter of age. He doesn't need to see your resume. He needs to see your heart. He needs to, needs to see what's written on your heart. So now it comes down to this word that we're talking about this morning, trust. Paul trusted Timothy. And how did he learn to trust him? He learned it because he was with him during the experiences that they went through in Thessalonica, in Berea, in Philippi. And here's the thing I think a lot of us come to when we ask this question of God. We, <laughs> I'm an impatient person. Anybody else here impatient? I mean, I can admit it. I am the most impatient person. You know, part of our technology has made us this way, right? If we want something, you know, if we lived in a bigger city, you know, they can, GW could have quit his job and just flown a little drone and he could drop the package off in our yard. You know, they actually fly drones, GW, and drop packages off. They can't do that in West Virginia. That would be target practice. You know, you could just see, you know, <laughs> you'd be out there shooting them. You know it. You know it as well as I do. You'd be out there. You wouldn't have to go to Greenbrier County to shoot stuff. You'd just be shooting them off your porch. You know it just as well as I do. I know. That's why it can't happen in West Virginia, GW. I told you, babe, they're coming. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. But here's the thing. So, you know, GW's got his pilot's license for drones, but GW, you've got to be careful where you fly that drone, all right? Because people around here will shoot that sucker down. They'll make their own ammo to get (laughs) get him down, all right? 
But some of us, I'm an impatient person, and some of us, when it comes to these things of what God wants us to do, we try to outrun God. We go out ahead of him. Do you know what I mean by that? We try to take things in our own hands. Our prayers aren't being answered fast enough, so we try to step in. Anybody else done that? But also, we can't just sit around on our hands and sit on the bench and go, so where's the balance? I want to finish the rest of this message to tell you these three important truths about Timothy that we learn in the scriptures here. And I want, I want you to really take these home. Number one, Timothy was a hard worker, right? I've already talked a little bit about that. Number two, he was an effective encourager. And number three, he was a joyful intercessor. And let me briefly tell you why these things are true about Timothy. Number one, he was a hard worker. We talked about the opposition and the persecution to their work, but look in chapter two, verses eight, nine, and it says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share not only with you the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardships, and we worked night and day in order not to burden anyone that we preach the gospel of God to you. Paul was not just talking about himself. He uses the word we. He's talking about his entire team here, Silas and Timothy. And there were times that the church was able to support these men in their journeys financially, but there was other times they had to work hard. Paul was a tent maker and he was a preacher. You know, I believe some of the best sermons that ever been preached have never made it to the internet. They're in some holler from some preacher who works his butt off in a coal mine all day long. I may, couldn't say butt, maybe I messed up there. Worked really hard in the coal mine <laughs> all day, worked 80 hours and gets up on Sunday and preaches one of the best messages and we've never heard it. I believe that. I believe that some of the best preachers are in foreign countries <laughs> that we've never heard of and they're working and laboring all day long and they get up on Sunday morning to bring a gospel message to a little small church. I believe that. Because they're hard workers. Paul was talking about himself in Philippians 4.16. We read the Philippian church actually sent Paul money while he was at Thessalonica. But evidently, it wasn't enough to sustain the entire team, so they worked. And there's so much value in hard work. If you find someone who's not afraid to work, you'll hire them on your team. I think that's why Paul, when he came through the very first time and, and talked about Timothy, you remember he said he had a good reputation with this church. Remember when he first met him? I guarantee one of the things about his good reputation was, say, you need to take Timothy with you because he's a hard worker. Paul wouldn't take some lazy teenager or lazy 80-year-old with him on his team because he knew what was ahead of him. In fact, look, it's commanded in Scripture um, about hard work. Romans 16, 6, uh, greet Mary who worked very hard for you. Romans 16, 12, greet Triophenina and Triophosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my friends Perseus, another woman who worked very hard in the Lord. Colossians 4.13 speaks about Epaphras. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you in Laodicea and Heropolis. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work among you. So he commended it, but he also commands it. 1 Thessalonians 4.11, you should mind your own business and work with your hands. Boy, there's some good, solid advice today. Just mind your own business. You know, if you're out there working, you don't have time to be gossiping. It's basically what he's saying. You know, if you're not busy with your hands, you're going to be a busy body. Right? That's what he's saying here. 
Mind your own business. Work with your hand, just as I told you, so that your daily life may respect of, will win the respect of outsiders so they will not be dependent on anybody. First Timothy 4, 5, he tells Timothy in the letter he wrote to him, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. And Paul not only commended it and commanded it, he modeled it. First Corinthians 4, 4, we work hard with our own hands. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, no, I worked harder than all of them. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, I have worked much harder. Timothy was on his team. He was a hard worker. He wouldn't have been on the team. He wouldn't have been entrusted with the important assignment to the church of Thessalonica if he wasn't a hard worker because Paul knew he couldn't send a wimp, a weak-minded, a weak physically person that wasn't willing to get down and get his hands dirty and go work with people, he wouldn't be able to survive because of the persecution that the church had in Thessalonica. Be a hard worker for Jesus. Secondly, he was an effective encourager. If you want to be useful for God, if you want a greater assignment in the kingdom, then follow Timothy's example by being an effective encourager. Notice what he says in 1 Thessalonians 2. Let's read it again. Sent Timothy, our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Remember, Paul had been torn away from him with the believers at Thessalonica sooner than he wanted. And so now he was concerned for them for a couple of reasons. First, we knew that they had trials and they were going to continue to deal with these trials. So he needed Timothy to go and encourage them and keep them strong in their faith. Secondly, in verse 5, look what it says. He was concerned about how Satan might throw them off course. He says, I was afraid that in somehow, some way, the tempter had tempted you and that your labors might have been in vain. Here's a good lesson for us, friends. When there are trials in your life, Satan will try to find a way to throw you off course. When there's trials in your life, he will have a way to try to throw you off course. But remember this, when there are trials, Satan will be at work. And if you're having trouble in your life right now in your marriage, your finances, your job, etc., Satan will try to weasel his way in to distract you from the work of the Lord. And if there's definite opposition in these trials, Paul knew who was behind it. And you recognize it too. Quit blaming other people. Quit, quit putting a name on it. Well, if my boss would just be nicer. Well, if, this, if I just had another $1,000 into the bank. Well, if we could just do this. then it, People all the time. Well, as soon as I get my life in order, preacher, I'll get more faithful in church. Don't say that. Well, as soon as I get this taken care of, as soon as I get past my kid's wedding, then I'll serve more. We all have the same amount of time. We all are busy people. We all have our, as I told Taylor this morning, our plates to spin. There's a lot of spinning going on in the Jordan circle right now. Some of them are wobbling. That's what Taylor told me. He said, you got to spin faster, big boy. I'm trying, Taylor. What an encourager Taylor is. He says, spin faster. <laughs> Let's not get distracted when it's going tough in our life. But here's also a word of encouragement. Don't get distracted when things are too good. I mean, we as Americans have more free time than any other country in the whole world. You know that, right? There's a couple of European countries that may have a few more days than us. But for collectively, you know how many vacation days and holidays we get a year? We get a lot. And we can get distracted by that. 
And we can say, well, I work so hard at my job, I, I'm owed this. How about giving one of those weeks of vacation for the Lord's service? Ever thought about that? You don't have to necessarily take a mission trip to do it. You can be a missionary in your own neighborhood. You know the widow down the street that needs some stuff done? Call us. We've got the tools for you. We might even be able to supply the labor to help you out. You know the neighbor that just lost a loved one? You ever think about making some meals and taking them over to them? You don't have to have the food team at church do it. You can do that. I'm saying if you're constantly consumed about where your next vacation or where you're going to spend your next quality family time, I'm saying maybe include your family to do something together for the Lord. It'll be one of the most memorable events you ever have in your life. Paul sent this young man to remind the church not to get distracted by Satan. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, let us encourage one another and build each other up. And finally, I know it's been a little lengthy message today, and I know your preacher's fired up. There's a lot of juice flowing right here today. He was a joyful intercessor. Evidently, when Paul was writing this short letter, Timothy actually returned to Thessalonica and gave a report. Look at chapter 3 again. It says, but Timothy has just come to us from you and has brought us good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have a pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us again, and we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all your distress and persecution, you were encouraged about us and your faith. For now, we really live. Notice that. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for your return and all the joy and in the presence of God because of you? This is really amazing. Paul and Silas are being persecuted. And now he says in this phrase, for now, we really live. You know what this says? The faith of this church encouraged the apostle Paul. It's like, man. Look how these Thessalonians are living for the Lord in such face of opposition. After all of that, they're standing firm, and they're standing firm in the good news of their faith. They were encouraged, and they had joy in their faith. And when Paul and Silas knelt down in the presence of God, he wasn't overwhelmed and in his prayer just praying for all the bad that was happening. They were thanking God for all the good that was taking place. Friends, can you hear the message from God this morning? All you talk to people right now, you know, how you doing? Well, I got one foot in the grave and one foot on the banana peel. I'm about ready to die. My family, everything's falling apart. You listen to people right now. Is there any good news on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your Instagram? Or is it just griping about COVID and the schools and what all these things are going on? Is there any good news to report? You want to have a party, then be pitiful, because pity loves a party. But also, you know what loves a party? People enjoy life and says, yes, it's going bad. Yes, there was bad things going on in the Thessalonian church. But you know what? That Thessalonian church, there was so much joy. It brought encouragement to Paul and Silas. So when you see good things in people's life, when you see good things in your children, tell them, good job. When you see it in your family, tell them, I love you. When you see it in your church, say, this is what our church is doing. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but let's talk about the good instead of all the negative that's going on. There's always going to be negative Nancys. There's always going to be negative people. around. But when we are people who are living in the faith and are encouraged, 
There are great things that can take place. Encourage others. Be encouraged. Are you down? Are you discouraged? Are you depressed? Find a way to encourage. Just talking to somebody the other day, and it broke my heart. I'll just be honest. Somebody fairly close to me said, I just can't come to church right now. I said, why? I said, I just can't. I said, they said, I'm afraid because I'm so down and I'm so depressed. If I come around other people, I'll just pull them down. And I said, have you ever thought about the other way? (laughs) That maybe that's right where you need to be. And maybe God will use somebody to bring you up. I mean, is it that bad that when we think about going to church, that's all we think about is going to being depressed? I hope not. I hope my sermons aren't that bad. (laughs) I really do. I mean, I hope that when you come in here, you feel closer to the Lord and you walk out of here feeling like you you and God can take, take on anything. Because you can. And for Timothy to be entrusted the way that God entrusted him at such a young age, there had to be things that were true in his life. He was a hard worker, wasn't he? He was a source of encouragement. And he was joyful. Think about this. When Timothy went back at 20 or 21 years old to report back to Paul and Silas, was there bad things going on at the church in Thessalonica? Please shake your head, yes. So, but what did he choose to tell Paul? all the good that was going on. Look, you can be a half person that looks like a glass full of half of water and you can be a half empty person or that's a half full glass of water. It's a choice. There's bad things going on in our world right now. But there's a lot of good going on. And I want to be a part of one of those churches that we focus on the good. Because you know what? We have a father that wants to focus on your good. He sees things in you and I that we can't see in ourselves. And because of what Jesus has done for us, he sees what no one else sees. And the word I want you to think about this week, could God trust you right now if he said, hey, I need you to go to Zimbabwe. That's a big one. Well, if God said, I need you to go to Walmart and there's this cashier and I want you to go through her line and you're going to be able to tell she's just having this the worst day. And I'm going to want you to speak these words to her. Hey, I appreciate what you're doing here. You're doing a good job. How about a neighbor that you know is dealing with a child that's struggling with addiction. And you're thinking, man, I just don't know what to say. I know somebody should do something. Now I want you to pull out a look at somebody and go over there and say, hey, here's some cookies. If you can make cookies, make them. If you stink at cooking, take a box of Oreos. They'll like them. And just say, praying for you and your family. That's what Jesus did. Let's be the ones who do good. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message. 
To find out more, visit us online at gatewaychurch.net. See you next week.